This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, welcome to the Non and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests tonight are James Bird and Dan Bart from the Burnley Express. We'll start off by talking about Saturday's 3-0 draw at QPR. James, what did you make of the game? It was a, a very watchable affair, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I think Sky Pickwell and uh, the neutral certainly would have uh, would have loved that one. Um, I think it was a, a good game. I mean, really, on the day, we should have, we should have won that. Um, I thought all three goals that QPR scored have pretty soft for us to concede um, when you look at the size of the strikers they shouldn't be beating Duff and Shackle to, to ball some corners and then I think for the third goal uh, Ben Mees let himself down there not showing his normal defensive uh, competency I think all six goals really were avoidable weren't they um, from the defensive point of view Dan it's a strange game really in that we could have been out of sight one way in the first half and then the second half the other way around we could and should have won it maybe it, it was bizarre weren't it I mean to say that those were two of the meanest defences in in the championship you wouldn't have thought it that game um, I think I put in my match report something like it was it was as exhilarating as it was um, frustrating um, I mean you look at their goals the, the, the two set pieces we've conceded from Really, really avoidable goals. They, they fired a warning shot early on with Cronchard's corner, which they've, they've sat up to the front post. And um, Johnson's got ahead of Mar- Marnie and forced Eaton into a save. But we didn't learn from that. And straight after, uh, Doyle's run across the defence from the penalty spot, sat himself on the corner of the six-yard box and just leapt ahead of Duff. Got it into the corner. And then uh, it was same again for Dunn's goal as well. His, his Cranshaw sat it to the front post again. Um, Trippier under pressure from Hill has, has glanced it back into the box, and and uh, I think it was Arfield got caught static, and Dunn's just been left in acres of space to to do what he did. Um, they were very avoidable goals, and like, like you say, with with Ben Mee for the third, I think Kitely might have got in his way a little bit as well, but. Uh, me needs more assurance in, in in those kind needed to be more assured in in those kind of situations and and that could quite easily have been dealt with so it was frustrating but you look at the goals that we've created and uh, it's, it's very heartening it was a very heartening performance and 
will certainly get a, take a lot of confidence from it. We can certainly take plenty of positives from the game. It's just Kyle looking back and the, the chance Danny Ings had at 3-2 when he yeah. got down the, the right wing and then he had two, I think, in the middle outfield and Volks both waiting for it and he shot and missed. I just wonder if we might be looking back at that one. We are conceding too many goals from set pieces at the minute, aren't we? Yeah, in, rec- in recent weeks we have done, obviously, I mean, we were completely commanded the game against Sheffield Wednesday and, and, and they've scored on the stroke of half-time just, just minutes after we've opened the scoring from a set-piece again, which which should have been dealt with. Uh, Wickham's got the flick on and uh, there was no one around at the back post to, to clear the lines. So, that you know, that's another two points dropped. The set-pieces must be something they're working on in training. James, do you think there's any particular reason why that seems to be a problem for us at the minute? Are we doing anything differently or is it just concentration and individual errors at the back? I'm not sure, to be honest. It did seem like um, the marking was a little bit lax. I don't know whether there's been a little bit less focus on uh, you know, picking up your man at a corner. Um, but they just don't seem to be getting as tight to a man as they, they were previously. It was really unusual the first goal to see Michael Duff beaten in the air by Kevin Doyle. It just sounds wrong. I mean, Doyle's quite good in the air for his size, but it's not something you would have really expected to happen. Um, just want to talk a bit about Michael Kitely, actually. On the blog, we were quite critical of him, the live blog on Saturday, just because he, his first half performance was, was really quite poor. There was a, a chance in injury time where he refused the chance to shoot and instead just got tackled really weakly. But second half, he was a different player. Danny was much more like the player we thought we were signing after the break, wasn't he? And created the second equaliser for Sam Volks. Yeah, it was a lot more positive in the second half. Like you say, first half, it was it was so frustrating. It was giving balls short. It was, it was pretty much giving the ball away every time it was landing at his feet. And, and that chance at the end of the, the first half, you... It's on his favoured right foot, and he's got to be pulling the trigger there. So why why he brings it onto his left, you know, I really don't know. I think it just shows a player maybe lacking in confidence that. But the second half, the, you know, I think because Burnley were working the ball better, there was more space for the wide men, and he was he was he was afforded quite a bit of space out wide. So I think he had a bit more time to to think about what he was doing, and and for the equaliser, yeah, he picked out Volksy really well. And after that assist, I think his confidence really got up. He, he was in the game a lot more. He was looking for the ball. He was making things happen. And much different to the Kitely we've seen for a lot of the season. I've been a bit disappointed with him overall. I thought we were going to get the sort of player who could really take us on a level. But he's not really lived up to expectations, although played quite well in the winning run we went on earlier in the season. James, what do you make of Sorry, Paul, It's his end product, isn't it? That's, that's, uh, yeah, the final ball has not been good enough. No. Well, hopefully being able to set votes up for that goal will make a difference. Um, James, what do you make of Kitely so far? Has he, has he been about what you'd expected or would you like to see a bit more from him? He's only scored one goal and he's supposed to be a, a goal-scoring winger. Um, yeah, I've, I've probably expected more from him. I don't think you can really fault his effort, but I, mean, I think it was telling on Saturday, the first half in particular, he, just, he could never find anyone with his, uh, with his crosses. And obviously he had that chance at the end of the half and he should hit that earlier and he should definitely score from that, that position. But then obviously I think quite a few people were slating him at half-time and he's come out second half and he's put an absolutely amazing ball in and uh, we've scored. 
Um, so he is a bit sort of hit and miss. And I don't know if it's the lack of football he's had sort of over the last couple of years that's sort of caused that. We took a lot of stick here at Northern Ever in the second half, actually, because we had been very critical of Michael Kiteley. Um, but I was claiming we were motivating him. I think Sean Dyche must have been showing some of our tweets in, <laughs> in the half-time interval. That must have been his team talk at the break. What, what these idiots from Northern Ever are saying about you. But, uh, Kiteley, much improved after the break, and hopefully we'll see more performances like that for the rest of the season. His place is going to come under threat, though, isn't it, Dan? I mean, Ross Wallace is back and he's he's played. Whatever manager's been in charge, Wallace, he's obviously a firm fixture in the squad. I think Wallace will be a massive addition to the squad again now. I think I think Darts will, will love having him back in the side because ultimately, I mean, you know, you think about the uh, partnership with Trippier and Wallace, it works wonders and the, the amount of assists that, that those two get when they're playing on the same flank is, is, is unbelievable and, and could be... You know the the factor that that contributes to our success at the end of the season. So if, if Cartley's going to remain in the side, he's he's really got to um, you know up his game a little bit now because you know I I really like Scott Arfield. I don't think Arfield's got any any worries about being pulled out the starting eleven. So yeah, I, I think, think Arfield's levels have dipped a little bit in recent weeks, but he yeah. provides that he provides the energy that Dash really likes from his wingers, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's a very he's a very tidy player as well. He's he's really creative, uh, quite quite dainty player really. Um, I've, I've been impressed with him this year. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what Dash wants to do with his wingers now, James. Just because he's got Wallace back and Stanislas and Tracy and options as well. Kyle in Arfield were his first choice for for much of the season, but Tracy came in for Kyle recently and he did quite well, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I I think. Uh... Technically, Tracy's probably one of the best players in the side. He's, you know, he can pick a pass that I think a lot of the other players in the side w- would never see. Obviously, the problem for him has been his fitness sort of over the over the time he's been here. But you can see that that's slowly turning round. He's getting a little bit of pace back. Um, but I was definitely surprised on Saturday to see Junior come on rather than Ross. I thought he might have fancied giving uh, giving Wallace a run and. Uh, Sort of using his his energy and his uh, crossing ability, because uh, Junior can be a little bit hit and miss, and I think from that position, you would have been wanting something that's more of a more of a certainty. Yeah, I was surprised that it was Junior as well, or Felix, as the the QPR team sheet had him down. Surprised but delighted that Stanislas came on, and he so almost scored right at the end as well. Yeah, I think um, Stanislas was the pick um, because the game was quite stretched in our half at that point we were struggling to cope with them a little bit more and I, I thought Dash wanted someone who was going to be a bit of a threat on the break and I think Stanislas was probably the quickest of the, the wingers we've got but didn't pay off in the end but if that chance had dropped in I think I'd have probably died of happiness <laughs> do join in with your comments if you are listening we've got the, the live chat is open as usual we'll have Adam sending over the best ones to them and we'll get them read out and if you're listening through Twitter as well use the hashtag NNMPod or tweet us directly and we'll get them ready. Lots to get through today on um, tonight's shorter known and ever podcast. We are only doing half-hour shows these days, so lots and lots to get through. And we will go on to the Brighton game shortly, but we do want to just get on to the January Player of the Month. Known and Ever is doing a monthly Player of the Month campaign in conjunction with the Burnley Express this season. Sam Books has won the last two or three, I think, and he's going to be a leading contender for January as well, I think. We've got plenty of votes coming in already. Kieran Trippier seems to be the front-runner. 
there's a poll on the site now and you can vote again through Twitter using the hashtag carrots POTM. But we'll go through the two lads that we've got with us tonight and see what their thoughts are. James, we'll start with you. Who would be your nomination for January's Player of the Month? I think it's a really a really tough month to to pick. To be honest, it's uh, I don't think there's been anyone who's particularly you know stood head and shoulders above the rest of the side. Um, but I think I'd I'd go for Sam Vokes again, just because he's I think he's a very consistent player and he he does the same thing week in week out. I've been massively impressed with with Vokes recently and on Saturday. Although Saturday's game doesn't count because it was February, I thought it was. Absolutely top class, led the line superbly second half, real goal threat. And he, he's catching things up with the goals in the league, especially. Um, Dan, we'll come to you then from the Burnley Express, of course, who we are doing this award with. Um, who's your nomination going to for January? Um, I think I, I agree with James. Um, there's not, not been anyone who's, who's stood out massively, but like, like you both say, Vox is. He's such a consistent performer and he'll never let you down. I think he's been absolutely... I've had another very impressive month. Um, but I think I think Ingsy and Trippier will be in with a shout as well. Trips has, has got himself a goal and a couple of assists and Ingsy's scored, I think he's scored, has he scored four or five this month? So they've probably got a look in as well. I, I did think it was going to be wide open this month, but from the... The votes we've had early on through Twitter, Trippier does seem to be far and away the leader. When we started doing the award at the start of last season, um, we had someone joke that it was going to be the Kieran Trippier Player of the Month award, and it's not really been the case. He's won a couple, I think, last season, but Sam Volks has been dominant this this season, so it will be really interesting to see how it goes this month. Again, there is a poll on the site that you can vote on, or you can um, vote through Twitter using the hashtag Clarets. P-O-T-M even. Uh, we've had one comment on the chat from Will Dory who says it has to be Trippier. Uh, I think Trippier is going to be the leading candidate so far. Will Dory says he's the most consistent player in the Championship. I think that was probably fair. He had a, a slightly difficult game on Saturday, Dan, with the fact QPR had the, the two left-backs with Traore pushing on. Traore really impressed me. I wasn't expecting to be an attacking threat, but he gave Trippier a bit more of a difficult afternoon. Yeah, he's, he's he's come up against a few um, speed merchants this season, and he uh, uh, Trippier has been a bit unfortunate, really. But um, yeah, I thought I thought Traore had a, a positive game. He was he was always looking to attack uh, attack the byline, and you know probably should have done better in the first half when he when he's beat trips and he's got teammates square, but but finds the side, side netting. Um, but it's it's always tough on you know when you've got players on the overlap you've always got to have someone to cover you because obviously you can't you can't deal with the, with the two two players yourself. Um, at times I thought he was you know after the first few times when he'd been beaten he was left a little bit exposed and I, I felt maybe one of the centre halves could have got across to help him out a bit quicker. But um, I thought apart from um, for the equals, I thought Ben Mee had a, a superb game as well. I thought he marshalled uh, Hoyle really well. Hoyle is a very good player, isn't he? Of course, came on early for Matt Phillips, who went off injured, and it was sign of QPR's resources that a player as good as Matt Phillips goes off injured, and you think, ah, oh, this is good news for us, and then a player as good as Junior Hoyle comes on. It just shows that it's extremely tough to compete with QPR. It's just the nature. It's just the, what can you do? I mean, I was looking, I was trying, doing a bit of research on the, on the train down, and uh, since since I think there's 25 days between uh, Darch and Redknapp's tenures, and 
Redknapp's brought in 25 new faces at a cost of £30 million upwards. <laughs> um, Dutch has made one money signing. So it's, it's absolutely outrageous. It's worlds it apart. Spelled it out for me on, on deadline day as well. We were obviously more concerned about holding on to Danny Ings and Kieran Trippier and QPR were just bringing in anyone who was available. I think they signed yeah. four strikers on deadline day and we've only got three in our squad. So exactly, it was extremely yeah. difficult. And of course, two, um, Doyle and Maiga, were on the score sheet on Saturday. So it just shows how, how tough it is to compete with these sides. And we have got one more comment on the, the Carrots PLTM award that we've just been going through. Roger says, it's trippier for me. He is the supply line. I think we need to get the other side going. Sides are attempting to cut off that supply line. Um, James, that is a good point, isn't it? We are quite unbalanced sometimes with everything coming through that right wing. But I suppose the issue is, if you try and be too attacking down both wings, then you're going to leave yourself open defensively, aren't you? Yeah, I think that's been something for a little while now that um, we've played sort of one attacking full back and one one more defensive one. Because I think when you you do see it a little bit when Lafferty plays, he pushes on a little bit more than me does, and. Sometimes you can get caught out, obviously, with two full-backs having been pushing up. Um, so I think you do get a bit of a better balance from having someone who can defend on one side, but obviously teams do know that one of those is the attacking option and they know to pick him up more than the other side. Yeah, I think the, the key thing for me was Trippier had that difficult first half with Traore really forcing him back, but still managed to keep going and created the equaliser from nothing really, just from a, a throw-in that was worked back to him quickly and just got the cross in early and it was an excellent cross that Ings finished superbly. So it, it just it does show that as difficult as teams are making it for Trippery, he will find a way. And I think that's why he is so consistent. A couple of comments on Ben Mee actually. Um, going back to Dan's comments, Jack says he thought Ben Mee was actually torn a new one by Junior Hoylet and Will Dorr says Mee got back and had a chance to clear it, it was trying to be too clever. And she was talking about the, the final goal there. I thought me was maybe a little bit unlucky with the, the goal itself in that he looked like he'd done enough and then Hoyle sort of got away somehow and then it's it's far too easy for my ego. There's absolutely no one with him. And uh, Jack actually refers to Junior Hoyle as Junior Toilet, which is highly amusing. The ex-Blackburn winger, of course, who I thought could have been da- booked for diving at least once, Dan. There was a, an incident where he went into the box threw himself over, referee gave nothing, so he got up, got the ball back, ran into the box straight away, threw himself over again. It could have been booked twice and sent off. That would have been an interesting one to watch, wasn't it? But the ref was he was having none of it, the ref at all. No, it was definitely a booking. Um, reminded, uh, it smacked of Olsen's dive at, turf, at the turf. Oh, that God, time, yeah. I remember that. Um, one but, when he dived over the keeper, yeah. Yeah, but the one for me was Joey Barton. How he's not entered the referee's book at any point in that game is beyond me. There was a, there was a couple early yeah, on. And... Certainly a couple, wasn't there, where Barton could and should have gone in the book. And you think, as soon as Barton's got that yellow card, it's much more difficult for him to get in people's faces. And it's, it just means that he's got a bit more freedom. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, just going back to that, that I think... Um, me being torn a new one, I thought that were quite a bit harsh, really, because I don't remember any time where Hoylet's actually been able to cut into the box. I thought, you know, I thought Me's restricted him quite well, really. I mean, from open play, they've they've not created all that much QPR, especially in the second half. Um, but unfortunately, that one mistake has has led to the equaliser, and 
I just, I don't know whether it's Cartley's just got in his way or whether he's trying to be clever and, and just get a foot in and take the ball around so he can clear it. But he, he just he just needs to be to be stronger there and he needs to get rid of it. I think it's just one of those with hindsight that he, he probably would have cleared it when he had the opportunity, but Hoyle has done well and he's got into the box and then it's it's all too easy, I think, from a Burnley point of view. I was a little bit disappointed that when they scored, we just decided to sit in really and take the point. I understand why we did it. I mean, point is better than a defeat after all, but I think every time we attacked, we looked like we were going to score. I'd have fancied us to go on and get a winner if we'd committed a few more men forward, but Daesh obviously decided we couldn't miss losing and of course if we'd lost we could have been six points adrift so thoroughly understand why we did that but it would have sent a real message out if we could have won that game. Um, Looking back before the QPR game we'll talk a little bit about the Brighton match probably won't go into too much detail on this one just because it it wasn't much of a spectacle was it Dan? Brighton nil-nil at home. Um, It was was like attack versus defence weren't it? from what from what I've I've heard of Brat and you know I thought I thought they'd come and at least try and attack us and 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 try and take the game to us, but that never really happened. There was a a lot of uh, a lot of high balls in the air to Azure, um, and the two wide men Lopez and Luar Luar were just were just playing off him, and eventually you know the, the chances will fall for the two players playing behind him, which which did happen. I mean Luar Luar had the chance in the first half which Eaton saved. Uh, served well, and then in the second half, I think it was all Andy managed to get through, uh, and Heaton's made another save. But apart from that, I mean, we we, we were told they'd come in, in and play like a four-three-three, but it, it turned into more like a four-five-one. Um, and and Andrews at times was was playing as as like a third centre half. Uh, it was just it really hard to break them down, and I th- just at the end, I just thought we we, we ran out of ideas really. It is difficult. You don't want to be too critical, do you? Especially with us being third in the league. But I'm, I'm not convinced we really had much of a plan B, and that's maybe going to be a little bit of a concern as the season goes on. We will come on to this uh, just before the end of the show. I want to talk about how we can turn these draws into wins. That is three draws in the league in a row, and I think eight or nine draws in the last three months. So it's becoming a bit of an issue. Although while we are picking up points, there won't be too many complaints. Um, James, just looking back at that Brighton game, the options from the substitute bench, is Dyche making the most of what he's got available? I mean, he left it quite late to make changes, didn't he? Um, I think it's a, it's a difficult one because uh, you look at the, some of these games and uh, you see sort of the pressure we're, we're putting the other side under and you think, do you want to change it at that point because you don't know how it's going to affect the dynamic? I think it is sometimes difficult whether you sort of really go for broke and it's going to pay off and work or you sort of stick with what you've got and you continue putting that pressure on. Um, so I think it sometimes is just I'll, I'll give it a minute, I'll, you know, I'll give it a little bit longer and obviously it can drag on a little bit doing that. It's one of the frustrating things for me about Daesh. Like, absolutely delighted with how we're doing overall, but... I do still think he has this tendency to be a little bit cautious and reactive rather than proactive. I think he waits a bit too long sometimes with his changes. I'm just, if we're going to win these games at home where teams have come for a draw, are we going to need to force the issue a bit more? Um, it could be. I think sometimes you do have to sort of um, take the game 
to, to your opponents maybe more later on. Um, you know, so bring on now we've got the third striker option, play three up top and sort of really go for it. Um, but at the same time, like I said, sometimes it's a case of you feel you're in a in such a strong position, you don't want to change it and and maybe lose that advantage you've got. It is tricky, isn't it? It's the balance between trying to win the game and making sure you don't lose it. And we don't want to be accused of telling Dash how to do his job, which um, I have been <laughs> repeatedly in the past. Um, Dan, this this tactic we've used in the last couple of games at home, where we've put Barnes on and gone to a sort of three up front, as a plan B, it hasn't worked in the last two games. Do you think that's something that has got potential, or would you like to see a, a fresh idea? Uh. It's it's tough to say really. I know, I know Barnes was uh, utilised in that position at Brighton uh, quite often, coming in coming in off the left. Um, and I don't think we've really had enough time to to really judge it yet because I, I think he only got about fifteen minutes against against Brighton, didn't he? And I thought he'd done well when he came on. Um, it's just hard in them games because. When when teams are parking the bus like Brighton did, it becomes harder and harder to play through them. So then you're opting to try and play over them, and 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 we use a lot of the high ball. And obviously they've got they've got some good centre halves there, and they were just they were just mopping it mopping it up. And it, it's it, where, where do you go from there? It, it would just you look at the Chelsea West Ham game the other week. I mean, Chelsea threw absolutely everything at West Ham, but when when they've when they've got people lined up across the box, you kind of run out of ways to to get beyond them. Uh, and I think with the reputation that we're building in the Championship now, we might find we're coming up against teams like that more often. And like you say, it is it is trying to find a, a plan B to to work against that. I think it's it's inevitable that teams are going to come to the turf and just try not to get beat. And I think Millwall on Saturday is going to be an example of that. Millwall scrapping at the bottom, they'll be delighted if they can get a draw against us away. And we're going to see them come for... They'll be quite happy with the nil-nil as well. So it, for me, it's variation. I think we've been guilty a little bit too much of just trying the same thing all game. And throwing out on the extra striker, it means normally you take off a winger and move our field inside and then where's your creativity coming from? I'm just I I understand the logic in going to the three strikers and trying to get the knockdowns off folks, but I think it's a bit obvious, it's a bit predictable. And although we don't have the, the Robbie Blake, the Glenn Little, someone who's going to create something absolutely from nothing, I think we need to to have a, a, a fresh perspective in that situation, I think, because I don't think it's going to work just throwing on another striker. Uh, we do have some comments on this issue to read out from the blog. James has said he wants us to move away from a four-four-two when the game's not going our way, try something new, which we haven't really seen. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, comment as well from Roger. He asked, where do you see Ashley Barnes fitting in or would Sam or Danny have to make way to accommodate him? We can come to that in a second. And Will says, the reason we're drawing now is that teams are setting up differently against us now. They're seeing how we play and what we can do. They're happy to come away with a draw. We should be flattered. That's a good point. Um, James, what do you make of this, the, the plan B with going three up front? Do you think that's the right tactic or do you want to see something a little bit different, a, a fresh idea? I don't know. It depends. It depends on what you're looking for, I guess. Quite often... I think the temptation late in games is to sort of uh, just get the ball forward, go a little bit more direct. Um, 
And I think free up front obviously helps with that if you've got three people to aim for. Obviously, it's uh, it's giving you the option to do more with your sort of direct ball. Um, and I think that is the way we tend to go. So sort of, when we're looking for that sort of last goal, just to go direct and uh, and just try and get it straight to the strikers and give them an opportunity to put it in the back of the net. I think if you look under it, when you look back to when we played under Coyle and, uh, you know, he had the likes of Eagles and Blake and, and Elliot playing off the front and and their positions were always interchangeable. When you talk about that plan B, not giving the full-back, you know, the knowledge of who the exact player who's going to be there every every time he's, he's got the ball... You're keeping the defence guessing. I don't. I know we may not have the exact personnel to accommodate that, but you look at you know if if Wallace came back, whether you could play him high up on the right, Barnsley off the left, and Ings in behind Vaux, and you know let let the let the three or four of them keep interchanging, and you know give give the opposition defence something something to think about. I think that's a good idea, and I think in that situation we do need to find a way to get Ings on the ball a bit more because when we do go direct, he's feeding on scraps a little bit, and we need to get Ings on the ball and around the box. Will says get Junior on and get him behind the front men, our own David Silver, which <laughs> I, would, I would love to see, but I'm not sure Sean Dyche would go for that one. Um, what about Ashley Barnes, James? Obviously we've paid a significant amount of money for him, and we needed that backup striker, but do you think there's going to be a, a time when we can incorporate him in the side or is it very much going to be when we need to change the game we'll get him on? Do you think Dash might consider playing him as one of the two wingers at some point? Um, I think it would be a waste really to play Bond as one of the two wingers. So for the moment, I think it is just a case of he's going to be there when we need to change it up. Um, but it's, I think it would be foolish to rule out the possibility that at some point, you know, Ings or... Uh, Volks might just need a rest. I've, I think we've seen it in the past with players where, you know, the form can dip a little bit, and sometimes one game out is just just what they need. I think it was the case with Kitely early in the season. You know, he was he was dropped for a little while, and he came back a little bit better again. Um, so I think for now he's probably going to have to bide his time, but I don't think that'll particularly be a surprise to him anyway. No, I, I think we, when he signed, we spoke about his quote saying that he's quite happy to come and support the two lads that are in there. I think that's probably how it was sold to him to come and be back up and then come in in the event of an injury or a suspension or a, or a loss of form. Just on Barnes, before we do round up the to the end of the show, I thought it was excellent against Sheffield Wednesday when he came on and we went to that wide. Um, he went on the, the wide left and we went to a three up front. But that was because we got the ball to him. And I just worry if we put Barnes on, we start pumping the ball too long, aiming at Sam Volks. Get trippier, putting balls in from as deep as possible, just the ball in the box, and I think we can be a bit predictable. And I think streetwise defenders in the championship will mop those balls up quite comfortably. Um, we are going to have to leave the show there. Short, sharp shows now. We're doing half hour, no and ever podcast. Let us know what you think. This is only our second one since we moved to the, the slightly different format. Um, quick reminder as well about the Carrots POTM award that we are doing in conjunction with the Burnley Express. There's a poll on the website. So you can register your vote there or you can do that via Twitter as well. Use the hashtag ClaretsPOTM, please, and we will get them counted up. And I think we'll try and announce that on Friday, probably get that in the paper. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday as well for Nonny Never Live. That's Millwall at Surf More. Big chance for three points to get back on that promotion trail. Thanks for joining us today. My guests today have been Dan Black and James Bird. 
We will be back next week. Thanks a lot for joining us. Good night. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.